0: There's a second scripture I want to add to the psalm, one which Jack read earlier. That's in Luke 11, verse 28. It'll not be on the screen. I'm just reading it to you. But Jesus said, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. In our text, God is genuinely concerned about people, about our life together and the years we spend on earth. God cares about us. Uh, the Psalms are a wonderful reading. When I was growing up at the Second Street Methodist Church and making a part of our curriculum in elementary school and Sunday school was to memorize some scripture. And there were three Psalms included in the list. One of those Psalms was Psalm 1. The other two were the 23rd and the 100th. And the first Psalm introduces us to God's praise and to life and how it should direct itself, what God wants us to do. This morning, I'm glad we had a Gideon speaker because it kind of overlaps the message, what Joe had to say about scriptures being shared, and our text today also talks about those who trust in the Word of God, those who are a part of it. This, the, uh, the psalm is really an invitation. You know, we get invitations or give them quite often. Uh, it, during our household this year, we... We've gotten uh, always, every year, an invitation to our grandchildren's birthday. Our oldest daughter's real good about all that stuff, you know, and, and we know we're coming whether they invite us or not. They'd have to hold us away, but we enjoy getting it, and uh, and we read it, and we respond appropriately, and we carry stuff when we go. Is that okay? Do all that kind of stuff. And We had other invitations. Uh, Amy finished school, always invitations that go with that, and then she got married. That's the big set, you know, all the hoopla that goes with that. You send out invitations, maybe you get them. They come to our house, you know what the first thing I do with the invitation when they show up at our house? I give them to Vicki, that's the first thing I do. I I don't open them, Uh, she keeps our social calendar and so there they are and she, you know, you can tell by the envelope generally who it's from and probably what it's about, but she takes care of it and we get invitations and maybe some invitations are real exciting to get, you know, if that's a person who's close to you, you've known them, and it's a big event in their life, and, it's, and you're maybe a bridesmaid or, or best man in the wedding, well, that's exciting to be a part of it, and you look forward to it, and you, you love to write that reply, yes, I'll be there. Maybe you get one, though, where the person you're getting it from, you haven't seen in a while, and uh, you think to yourself, well, I'll, can I make that one? Is it that important to me? Uh, are they really that good of friends? Then occasionally, if you've gotten one from somebody, and you go, who is that? You got one of those? You know, it's, it's a name, you know, and, and you must know them because they seem to know you, and you got to respond somehow to that invitation. We get all kinds, and we're, we're always deciding what's important, usually based on the relationship of us with that person. And maybe it's the event around that it's excites you. Maybe you just like to go to weddings. Some people like to do that, you know. So, yes, I'll go if I get an invitation to them. We get invitations in the mail. And we decide how we're going to respond. Our psalmist today is inviting us to respond to what will we do with God's offer to love us and lead us. That's a big offer. And we're trying to decide what we're going to do with it. It kind of starts off as a a don't do list. That is, things you're not to do is don't listen to the wicked. uh, Don't go where sinners go. Don't do what evil people do. He's saying... Beware of influences in your life that might lead you the wrong way. Every parent knows how important it is for your children to have good friends. And, you know, we are always kind of cautious, wanting to make sure that the friend influence was positive on their behavior and decision-making. And and you want to do that. You can't always control it, obviously, but you want to help it along. You teach your children about influences in their life and how choices are important and that's exactly what the psalmist is doing here he's saying there be careful what we fill our life with around us because those things can lead us away from god and we're making the choice by giving ourselves aligning with them it's as much as we spend too much time watching television and investing in things we don't need and going on uh shopping sprees for things we don't really have a purpose for those things kind of pull our attention and focus in a different direction from which God is trying to lead us he wants us to see that uh, sin doesn't always have a specific thing he's guiding us away from it's the influence itself he said is what often derails us from God having a purpose with us what he is going to do we love to be attitudes in the New Testament, and here really is what Psalm One is. It's about blessed are you if, and it goes on. The people of God behave or experience life in a certain way, then God can use them and do great things. Now there comes a problem, of course. There's a problem in the text because when you hear all of this idea how you should live, it means that we have to make a decision, and the problem is we're often not good at it. Romans three says it this way there's no one who is righteous not even one there's no one who is understanding there's no one who seeks God all have turned aside he's saying to us we're really all alike if you read this passage it sounds like there's the there's the good people and there's the evil people and they don't ever meet and the fact is we're sitting here and say you know we're really a little of both of those We want that evil part, that wickedness, to move out. We want God to have his place in us, but we confess that that process is not as thorough or complete as we want it to be, but we're moving that way and asking God to have his way with us. And in that journey, we hope that God is pleased, but we know that Paul was right. We all have fallen short. We all have done what's not right in God's eyes. Because all of us, in one way or another, don't care much for instructions at times. Now, this week I installed a new uh, router in our house, and um, I kind of half-read the instructions. You understand that, don't you? That means I I found where all the cables were, I plugged them in where they would actually go, and then I thought about reading instructions, and that was really the wrong time to do it. You should do it before you start because, okay, some of it limps along the way it should, but... We had other problems, which Vicky fixed for me later because uh, I, uh, I didn't do it right the first time. There's something about instructions. I don't know about you. I just I have an aversion to them. I want to begin. I see all the parts in front of me. And I think, I can figure this out. And you go for a while and you reverse yourself, you know, take that part back off and put it back on a different way, knowing that if I would just read them, maybe, maybe I would do it differently. Flannery O'Connor wrote a story, A Good Man is Hard to Find. In it, she had a character whose name was Misfit, and his attitude about prayer went like this. He said, why he doesn't pray is, I don't want no help. I'm doing all right by myself. That, in Flannery O'Connor's words, is a definition to wickedness. As I simply decide, I can do it without God's help thank you and whatever life becomes the mess we've made or the fact that we failed to do what God really wants of us we just live with it because we've made our own decisions how good am I taking instructions God is shaping the people here by shaping their heart Uh, he knows what we can be like he said but the wicked people are not like that They are like chaff that the wind blows away. The wicked will not escape God's punishment. Sinners will not worship with God's people. He's saying to us there is a a defining line there between those who would know and do what God wants and for us as we would determine, decide how we're going to live, how we're wired, how we're wired into doing what God wants of us. I have a short video I want you to see about How are we wired? The key part to me is, but first, we learn to follow. Christians learn to follow or we will never be able to lead. We learn that God has a plan for us and there are are needs for us out in the world. There are tragedies, places that we can share our faith and our hands in service and compassion. But it's because we first receive and learn that we let him teach us. In front of you, there's a pew in the Bible close by, I'm sure. If there's one there, I would like you to take it out and just hold it in your hand for a moment. It's not really that heavy, okay? I want you to know that. Is it okay? It's probably red in color. Just hold on to it. I'm not even going to make you open it. Is that safe? I'm going to let you hold it. If you have your own with you, you can pull that out. Oops, I forgot. We're Methodists. We don't bring our own, do we? Uh, You can. I mean, I don't know why we don't. If we bring our own with us, sometimes we might have a familiar marking for the page Uh, you might forget to take it home that might be the worst thing that you would do but you could bring it any Sunday why do we have them because we believe that not just sitting here but every day it should be a part of what we do it's one way we understand God's will for us as we read from that book and God helps us to see in the scriptures and there are all kinds of plans on how you may go about reading it, find one. I'll help you if you want. The worst thing we can do is not read it. The best thing you do is just keep reading it. There's a way, a pattern, different ways. We offer Bible studies around this church regularly. I contend that you can't be too young to learn it, and we, we can never get too old because, first of all, there's always something new to learn, and and we're always forgetting, right? I mean, just face it, we forget things, and just like fresh again, we learn it again. The Bible is a way that we learn to know what God wants for us to do today. It's a way that we stay on course, that he finds his will for us. There is in the text one image that I want to share with you about. It's the, well, it's the image of a tree. If I last slide, would stay up for us. Uh, this is about uh, a stand of trees in the Sequoia National Park in uh, California. Maybe you've seen them before. Five of the ten largest trees in the world are in that park, and they are humongous. I mean, you know, way out there, bigger than anything you would normally see. Do you know that the, the oldest trees in the world, which they estimate are between four and 5,000 years old, are the oldest living organisms on the earth? Just put your, put your mind around that in a minute. Four to five thousand year old living thing. Makes our life sin, fan seem pretty short. He's saying to us, we are like a tree that's planted by the waters. Oldest living thing. He's saying, I want to think of you as something that comes in this world and you're not just a flash through in a moment, but you have roots. And he plants us. You're not here by accident or just because of a a biological experience. You're really here because God has made you. He has planted you where you are. And in that place, he will nurture you so you can grow. Now, growing is a physical experience, but it's also about mind and spirit, and I want those to keep growing. And from that, he says, you will bear fruit. You'll not wither away. See, there's an aliveness that keeps going on and on because we are his. Thinking of the tree that God uses us for. How are we like the tree planted by God, growing always? I think trees are a beautiful thing. You know, growing up in Georgia, always seeing trees around us. There's parts of our country where they call big sky country. You know, there are no trees, but you can see the skyline forever. And, man, I just miss my tree. I don't think I can live without trees. They seem to represent an important part of God's plan in the world. And we are a part of it. How do we respond to keeping your life in a certain direction? Keeping it in focus where God is headed with us. I share with you in the springtime through confirmation class, we teach the uh, confirmands, the general rules of the church. And I actually preached a series in June, if, if any of us remember back that far. Oftentimes I couldn't tell you that, but I remember that. And we said the first two rules were to do no harm and to do good. The third rule was to stay in love with God, which another way of saying that is to tend to the ordinances of the church, that is doing the things that would keep us close to God. And one of those... As the psalmist talks about, is through his word, through our study of the scriptures, we are brought closer to him in that relationship. Think of it more like a, a love letter than about information. It's not about being a scholar, that is, knowing everything about the roots of the scripture and every kind of language uh, nuance that may be found in it. But it's talking about a relationship that we build with him and us. We have that. We can find a direction of life consistently can point to him if we are staying in love with God. How's that going with you nowadays? Let's pray together. Father, we confess to you that we are prone to do it our own way, but you already know that. That we fail to follow instructions because we like trying on our own even we know it would be better to listen well to you. We thank you for those important relationships around us that teach us, give us an identity in our faith and family and our community. And believing, Father, you're guiding us to make good choices as your people. Open our hearts to your presence. Help us to grow in our faith ever clearer. In Jesus we pray. Amen.